So pull out your Bibles, Ezra chapter 5. I'm going to highlight three things to you, and then I want to read something to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if that's all right this morning. And uh, what a good day. What a good day. Dylan did a great job last week talking about the opposition and how things got stopped, right? Construction had uh, halted for a season, um, and we're going to just highlight and kind of bring back, but where I want to get you to this morning is thinking about a time maybe uh, that you've been tripped up. Have you ever been tripped up? Have you ever stumbled? Have you ever fallen? Uh, Setbacks um, to a body of believers, setbacks to your family, uh, so on and so forth, but the importance of getting back on track and starting to run again, the race of endurance. So when we have setbacks in our lives, when we stumble, we need to hear and cherish the voices that cry out, get on with God's work. Get on with God's work. Because how many of you know that, 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 that we all have different responses to setbacks, right? There's some folks, like, like now, um, I, took, I took a fall the other night, and, and now when I fall down, Okay, I just lay there for a minute evaluating all of the areas of my body, right? Like what hurts and can I move that, right? Can I wiggle that, right? And, 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 so, and so I just evaluate. Uh, la- last week, Ezra, Ezra started playing tackle football, all right? Little second grader out there, they're so cute. The helmets weigh more than the kids do. And so they're a little top heavy as they're going around playing football, right? And as these kids got hit and tackled, they each responded a little bit differently, right? Some of them laid there for a couple minutes, probably doing the similar evaluation that I do, right? Am I still here? And I, you know, um, others got right back up and said, you know, I'm ready to go another play. And I want you to think about kind of what's your response when you get hit? Because for a while, everything was going great for God's people, we all have those seasons where, where things go great. Uh, and let's think about the people of Israel. Let's think about uh, the people that we're, we're talking about and reading about here in Ezra. The 70 years of captivity ended. And God moves the heart of King Cyrus and sends the Jews back to Jerusalem to rebuild. A remnant responds to the call. The work begins, the altar is built, the foundation is laid, and then after running well, the faithful get tripped up. Dylan talked about it last week. The, Ser- the Samaritans want to join the leaders in rebuilding, and because they worship other gods, Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the others refuse their offer, and upon the rejection, they set out to foil the work, and they accomplish it. And for 16 years, the temple lay uncompleted. The temple lay uncompleted. So let's look at Ezra chapter 5 and let's pick up. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the, name of God, in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of uh, Josadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. So I want you to see in these first two verses of chapter 5, our need. Everybody say, our need. Our need. See, verse 1 tells us that the prophets were on the scene and they prophesied in God's name. They spoke 
the Word of God. The people needed God's Word. When you study the books of Haggai and Zechariah, and, and Dylan went into Haggai last week very well, I thought, you need to keep the whole context of the story of Ezra in mind. The return of the exiles, the altar rebuilt, the foundation laid, in the, and then a 16-year period when the work stopped. And Haggai criticized them, if you remember right, putting the attention on their own houses and leaving God's house neglected. We preached on that in the fall of 2022, if some of you may remember, right? These prophets, men of God, urged the people to get on with God's work, and they succeeded. There was a new burst of energy. They renewed their efforts to rebuild the temple. The leaders, Zerubbabel and Joshua, Jeshua, excuse me, set back to work. They set back to work. But as we think about Haggai, and again, I know Dylan mentioned this a couple times last week, but I want to bring, draw a little bit more attention to it here um, as we look at it this morning, especially because chapter 5 mentions Haggai. Haggai described their situation that resulted from putting their attention on their own needs and not of God's. And I want you to see if this sounds any familiar to what we see today in the church of 2022. They were planting much, and harvesting little. Their attention was off, their focus was shifted from where it needed to be, and they were planting much. They were pouring out much, harvesting little. Secondly, they ate and never got satisfied. They ate and never got satisfied. Where were they looking for their satisfaction? They ate and never got satisfied. Thirdly, they drank but never got satisfied. And, and then lastly, they made wages to put in purses with holes. And what does that mean? It was just going out. It was just going out. It was just going out. And so why do I tell you all this? Because diverting their attention from God's work meant less for them, not more. If you ever thought... There must be a hole in my pocket or my purse, maybe, maybe there, 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 a hole in my purse. Potentially, we've diverted attention from God's work to our own needs. Haggai told them that they could not be satisfied because they were concerned about themselves, all the while ignoring the work of God. And it's ironic that if they put the focus off their own needs... And on God's work, their needs would be taken care of, and they would be satisfied. I was thinking about this the other day as I was playing golf. Does that sound interesting? I heard somebody over here laughing. Like, <laughs> you thinking, yeah, it's amazing. Um, anybody ever played golf? Mini golf doesn't count, or as we call it in the South, putt-putt, okay? All right. Um, the thing about golf is... When you swing your golf club, okay, nice and smooth, right, what happens? Anybody that's played golf, what happens? Pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. You make, you make contact and go straight. What happens if you try to really swing hard? If you try to just rear back and swing as hard as you can. Matt's doing it back there. It just goes that way. Just woo-hoo. You know, goes, it's lost $3 golf ball. 
is what I call that, right? A lost $3 golf ball. And, and, and so as I was thinking about it, right, sometimes in my spiritual life, right, when my focus is out of whack, when I'm trying too hard, when I, 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 everything gets misdirected. But if I just operate in who God has created me to be, and just take that club and just swing it and not try to kill it to hang out with the 22 and 25-year-old me where I used to be able to hit it, right? And just stay within myself. It's a lot smoother. And that's exactly what Haggai's saying here. And, and Ezra is saying here that they needed to put the focus back on God's work and stop trying to be distracted and stop trying to do so many other things. Look at verses 3 through 5. At the same time, Tatnai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shether Bozani, excuse me, and their associates came to them and spoke to them, thus, who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? Verse 4, they also asked them this, what are the names of the men who are building this building? But the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews, and they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius, and then an answer be returned by letter concerning it. So what I want you to see here is two, uh, uh, two words. Okay, you ready? God's care. Okay, God's care. Because what's happening? People are coming Asking, asking questions, questioning who's, who's given you the right to do this? Who has given you permission to rebuild? Who is giving you the, the rights to do all of these things? But the eye of God was on them. He was watching them. And they didn't stop them. They asked questions. They were just simply asking questions. And, and the eye of God was on them. So when God set in motion, what God set in motion was protected with God's care. The eye of God was watching them. What a comfort it is to know. Amen. That God who began a work in you is watching you and will carry that work on to completion until the day of Christ. The eye of God was watching them. They went on with the work, and the officials kept asking them, what's going on here? Who's in charge here? You've got to build more sidewalks, so on and so forth. <laughs> I, I figured if Dylan could do it last week, I could do it this week. <laughs> and it had been 18 years since the decree to rebuild the temple. The work had been active, inactive excuse me, for 16 years. The decree had been forgotten. But the eye of God never left them. Isn't that awesome? It reminds me of Matthew 28. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. This is the mission of the church. We say it around here all the time that, um, that Summit, uh, excuse me, the, the church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. And what's the end? Behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. God promises to be with His church. His eye of care is on the house. While we're gathered and while we're scattered. And then lastly, I want you to see uh, it's mainly in verse 11, but let me, let me back up to, um, 
to verse 8. Be it known to the king that we went to the province of Judah, to the house of the great God. It is being built with huge stones, and timber is laid in the walls. The work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. Then we asked those elders and spoke to them thus, Who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? We also asked them their names for your information, that we might write down the names of their leaders. And this was their reply to us. We are servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. Now, there's some things I want to unpack here, right? We see that, th- that the builders of the house are being asked these questions again, right? And what happens to you when you are asked the same questions repetitively, You get irritated, right? Now, I'm not speaking because I wasn't there. Okay? I wasn't wasn't here at the time that this conversation was had while these guys were rebuilding the temple. I wasn't there. I think some of you might have been, but I wasn't. Okay? (laughs) Bad pastor. Okay. Um, but, but, but they're asking the same questions again. Who, why are you doing this? Who gave you permission to do this? We want to know all the names of the builders so that we can write them down. And then finally, in verse 11, we see them respond. And this was their reply. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. What happens after a time when you stumble and fall and you come back, you come back renewed and refreshed. You come back renewed and refreshed. There was a... Hmm, I don't have time to tell that story. That's okay. Sorry, John. I'll tell you later. You come back renewed and refreshed. See, after the 16-year pause, when these people had been revived to come back and finish the house, it didn't matter who asked them questions. It didn't matter who stood in their way. It didn't matter who tried to redirect them. It didn't matter how much red tape they had to get around. It didn't matter how many sidewalks they had to pour It didn't matter how much hassle they were getting from people, which which was really the enemy trying to distract and 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 um, get off track and get 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 off focus. Right? It didn't matter. None of it mattered. Their response was, "We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're building the house. We're rebuilding the house. We're rebuilding the house." And I love that they include who built and finished. That's on our campaign verse. So Solomon built the house and finished it. And I love that because you know what frustrates me most about our church culture today? Is that we're content with good enough. And it's not just church culture. Right? It's everywhere. Oh, it's good enough. It's good enough. 
We reach a point to where we, uh, and, and some of us, because I'm looking around and I see some of you that are way not content with good enough, right? But it's good enough. And I love the language that is included in the Old Testament that when these folks built something, when they did something, they finished it. They finished the work that was started. They didn't reach quitting time. They didn't, they didn't reach the time when uh, they got tired or when they did this or when they did that or they were on the you know, verge of, of this or that, right? They finished what they started. They built the house and they finished it. And they reminded them here that we're, building, that we're rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished it. See, Cyrus told us to rebuild the house. And it's a blessing when God's people learn from their failures. When they fell and they got back up and they can gain new faith to carry out God's will. There is power in getting back up. There is power in finishing. And so my question for you this morning is, have you ever made a mistake? Yeah, have you ever made a mistake? A few times, okay. In the last hour? Okay, yeah. Have you ever stumbled? Have you ever fallen down? Did you get back up? Eventually. Have you, don't answer this one. Think about this one, okay? Have you let your attention move from God's work to your own interests? See, God's word challenged Israel in a time of need. And we need encouragers like Haggai and Zechariah to inspire us when we fall down and don't want to get back up. I've been thinking about this verse quite often. And then I knew God wanted me to share it with you this morning when I saw it on three of my friends' social media posts in a row yesterday. It's almost like in those moments God's trying to get your attention. It's almost like He's in control. And when I say these three words, you'll know exactly the verse for some of you. Come to me. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me all who labor and are heavy. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you are trying to make relationship decisions. Some of you are trying to make financial decisions. Some of you are trying to make job decisions. Some of you are trying to just hold things together and you feel like it's just all falling apart. I had a few conversations in a row this past week and 
got on the phone with somebody and I said, wow. They said, how are you doing? I said, I'm just heavy. It just feels like there's so many things around that are heavy. And they said, well, what are you going to do about it? And I said, nothing. It's not mine. Except I'm going to pray that God helps this person heal from their loss. That God helps this person decide which job is better for them. That God helps this person see that maybe the best thing to do is not give up on that marriage because they haven't done everything they possibly could to try to fix it. How many yokes are you trying to carry that God didn't design you to hold? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's what one of my friends posted yesterday with that verse. And it's coming from the person of God as if God is writing it. It says, I am the all-powerful King of kings and Lord of lords. Which means I have the power to take care of you. I love that. Not only do I have the power, but I want to take care of you. Will you let me? Some people are afraid to come to me when they're hurting or tired. And what I want to be is their hiding place and yours. Let me heal your hurts and give you a quiet place for your soul to rest. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, excuse me, verses 7 through 18. And I just want to read this over you as we close this morning. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh so death is at work within us but life in you. I'll skip down. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Our need is to remember 
God with us. And God's care is that His eye is always on the house. And as Dylan mentioned last week, the house at this time was the temple. That's where the presence of God was. And thanks be to God, today, that's you. With the Holy Spirit living in you, His eye is always on the house. And so God's care is for you. And my prayer for you this morning in that, and as you hear these verses, is that you would be renewed and refreshed today. To finish what He started in you. To pick the hammer back up. To go back and have another conversation. To not hold what's not yours, but to have the strength to say, God's going to work that out. God's going to take care of that. God's going to take care of that. I'm going to trust that He's going to take care of that. That's my prayer for you this morning. Would you pray with me? And so God, I pray that we would feel Your presence today. That we would know Your eyes on the house. And that we would be revived, renewed, refreshed to finish what you've started in us. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray.